Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, today I think we are launching our new format for this season. Yes, so we're going to be looking for problems of practice. And we have a phone number for you if you'd like to call. It's a Google Voice number. Great little tip for teachers uh, to have a backup to your regular phone number. It's 407 900 9305. Again, it's 407 900 9305. We'll also put that on our Facebook, on our Twitter, and out on the Practical Access uh, podcast site. So, in case you're interested, what we're asking you to do is to call in and leave us a problem of practice with just your first name, what you teach, and what your problem is. We don't really want anybody to know you're from school, blah, 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 and the grades and all of that, in case it's somebody's kid. So, we happen to have a problem of practice today. Uh, and we will just play them right straight from the phone. We're going high tech here. Huh? Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> okay. So uh, teacher sent this in to us, and here's our first problem of practice. And my students attend in person and online, and I'm on a semi-block schedule. So some classes meet for 60 minutes, and some meet for 90 minutes. So I have a two-part question for today. So my first part is that my students aren't required to keep their cameras on during class. So many disappear throughout the lesson. How can I keep them engaged enough to stay all class period? And then the second part is that I have several students with dyslexia, so online learning is really difficult for them because there's so much reading. How can I structure class to best meet their needs and accommodations? All right. And just in case you had a little trouble hearing there in the beginning, Lisa, English teacher, ninth grade, and two parts that we got to think about here. One is kids are turning their darn cameras off and leaving. I know that shocks us both. I think we've been victims of doing that ourselves at some point in this world of Zoom. And then the second part is kids with dyslexia. Not only I was just thinking of Lisa's problem of practice, but not only is it online, but it's also English. It's so, English, yeah. and she said her classes are 60 minutes and 90, 90 minutes, minutes during yeah. the block. Yeah. So I think the first thing there, Lisa, obviously. Not this Lisa, but Lisa, <laughs> yes. Lisa the podcast, not both Lisa the teacher. Of, yeah. Both <laughs> of you, Lisa's, um, is the obvious, which is chunking the time, because 60 minutes is a long yeah. time for anyone to attend to a podcast. So, I mean, even TV shows are half hour or in a lot of cases. So I think that chunking is obviously one thing to consider. But I think there's some other ways and other issues that go along with this. So when we try to chunk and we kids are at home and then we send them off to do something, then we worry about them coming back. <laughs> so there's got to be some thought to what are we sending them to do and how are we going to know that they did it? Yeah. And I, I always say, you know, if you're going to send them a way to do something, make it so fun that they'll want to come back, you know, bring me the most treasured item in your home, uh, find uh, two items related to the main character and convince a peer in a breakout why this is important. And I do think that that's part of it is, is that chunking, uh, not only chunking, but increasing the novelty. So one of the things I like to talk about is, you know, novelty is king right now. If you've watched any insurance commercials, I ask myself all the time, why do I watch the 
Geico, you're going to be like your parents someday commercial or the uh, ostrich laying his head in the sand for an insurance commercial. Or my favorite is the human cell phone that jumps in the bag of rice to dry himself out. That's because it's short and it's novel. And I think the longer you're into the time frame, what research shows is the brain likes novelty. And the longer you're in that time frame, the more novel you have to be, but it can't be so weird it doesn't align with what you're teaching. So I think it's going back to what we've talked about a lot of time, keeping that bullseye, keeping that target, but keep thinking about how you add a little bit of novelty. And if you send kids away, have them bring something back that they just couldn't not turn on their camera or at least turn on their camera to show the item if they don't want to see their show their face. Well, and as a former language arts teacher, uh, and Lisa, I'm sure you've done this too. I did do alternative book reports all, all the time that, that are a, something specific you could search for um, with that idea of go find me something that represents, you know, your understanding of something you read. So if you're looking for a search term, search alternative book reports, and then let's just think about how that might look online. The, and another thing that I would really recommend, and again, all teachers are doing these things in bits and pieces, but coming up with a very specific procedure like using um, checklists and pro, 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 project-based checklist is um, a website, a PBL checklist, that you can go, you can find already checklists for tons of things and you can customize it to make it your own. There's also on their website right now, uh, there is something about motivation that might help to understand how to put things together in a way that are super formal. We have to teach procedures too. And probably as you're teaching the procedures, it's just like anything else come up with some convenient patterns. I know, uh, Dr. Deeker, you were talking about some patterns that you're gonna be using in your online courses, mm -hmm. where it's X number of minutes of doing this, then you come back and do this. So I do think that we have to teach that and reinforce mm -hmm. that. And if you're working with kids with disabilities or low motivation, or who just are not good at self-management, it might even need to be incentivized where, you know, you get X points if you get here on time. It's something to draw them back that might even seem traditional. Well, and you know, you talked about me being bored when I don't have anything to do. So I co-taught with a couple of teachers just that were friends and said, could I come online with you and be almost a co-teacher? And one of the things I did is I added two things. One, I've already talked about novelty, but did crazy things like just screamed once in a while, dropped a pan. <laughs> I know that sounds insane, but guess what? The kids turn their cameras on really quick. Maybe, like, maybe if you scream, that's how they'll, you'll get their attention to come back. <laughs> that's that's right. exactly. But what also I did is when we asked them to come back, they had to check in. And if they didn't want to turn their cameras on, and as we all know, kids have a lot going on in their lives. Um, maybe it's not they don't look good. Their home isn't, you know, they don't want to share. They have six siblings behind them and it's too confusing. And they have their, is I would say you either have to turn your camera on and give me a thumbs up, or you have to type me in the chat, something wonderful about me. And they're all like, they would give me like, you know, you're crazy. You're, you know, and again, I didn't really want something wonderful, but I wanted to make that connection. And I think that's also really important in that online environment is getting them connected to you. And then think about uh, really novel things like this, like adding, um, uh, like bring your favorite stuffed animal, wear your favorite t-shirt, things that will make them want to turn on something on the camera, even if it's not them. 
And I think that's another way because once they get used to turning the camera off, it's really hard sometimes to get them to turn it back on if there's not a reason. Because just standing and staring at a, at a camera actually brain research shows is really exhausting. So you're also getting mental fatigue for most students were sitting in a brick and mortar. If I'm bored, I can look around at a picture. I can look around at my friends. I can get a smile from somebody across the room. In a Zoom, I'm just looking at the teacher. And so think about that, how you add both that novelty, those engagement ideas, it kind of throughout the class. So you said procedures. I would say every six minutes, think about some kind of check-in kind of activity, a little poll, thumbs up, lean forward. I one day had the kids do armchair push-ups in their chairs just to get them physically moving. And then, you know, as you do each one, uh, we were working in math. I say, you know, six times 6 million, what would you get? And so thinking about those small kinds of routine things that they come to expect, so they get so, somewhat of a break too. As we think about the actual content itself, you know, if we say we'll give them something else to do that's away from the screen for a minute, what we ask them to do might look different too. I know that Again, when you have kids who struggle with reading, maybe the reading part is a real barrier here. So my next recommendation and a really strong one is to perhaps look for a podcast um, or similar tool that you use regularly, that you incorporate. If you, if you search online, you can find top educational podcasts and a lot of them go in a direction that make learning a little less boring. I'm going to read you a couple of um, academic related podcast titles, uh, 60 Second Science, Away With Words, uh, Grammar Girl. If you've never listened to Grammar Girl, definitely worth it. Math for Primates, uh, <laughs> Stuff You Missed in History Class. I mean, these are the kinds of titles right. that are going to catch kids' attention. So as an English teacher, I would go in and look for top English podcasts. And then I would just look through there to find out what topics align with what I'm teaching and make that a part of my regularly scheduled day. And I'm going to kind of piggyback and blend the two questions together. And one that I think would kind of go across both the kind of piggybacks on what you were saying is a choice board. And, you know, I think you and I, we both like choices. We would definitely as friends make very different choices when given choice. And I think that's very, very true, especially as we start to think of our kids on the margins who are struggling readers in an English class. You give me a choice to read a book or not, I can promise you most of the students that I know, especially my own son, would choose not to read a book, but might choose to listen to a podcast, um, watch a YouTube video, might even be willing to read a cliff note version of the book and then maybe read a specific targeted chapter. So again, thinking about what are those targets and you know, is there a chapter of that book that is more important to read than the whole entire book? Because sometimes kids, I always like to think of kids with dyslexia as somebody who's learning to walk. You know, they, they get exhausted really fast. And so even though they wanna run a mile, just walking across the street is a lot of work. Just reading one chapter of that book in depth may be so much work. And then I would just add here in the choice, add access choices. We talked about this in the past is in making sure that it's individualized. Can the computer read it to them? Again, I think as teachers, we're like, oh, I'd like to get to that. We shouldn't be there. Kids should be fishing for themselves by ninth grade, and they need to learn how to do that for themselves. So maybe asking the special ed teacher or someone else in your building, your tech access to get those kids access. Don't make it one more thing you have to do if you've got 150 kids in ninth grade language arts. I agree. We definitely need more mini lessons. Yeah. On tools to support learning. And I think if we could start thinking about our job 
you know, in chunking our own jobs a little differently where here's a mini lesson, you know, at, at 10 a.m., a mini lesson on this one tool. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that support tools absolutely are critical. And, you know, finally, I think, Lisa, my last, my last just thought on the topic um, is you mentioned making it more novel, but try to get past doing things. If we are asking kids to go work on something that's project-ish, Consider that makerspace really is projected to continue to be, you know, the new direction of things. So what we're asking kids to do can't just be like, go draw a poster and come back and show us. Let's think beyond that. Not suggesting that that's what Lisa would ask them to do. But, you know, let's think beyond that and give them something really significant and complex, but brief to do during small intervals. Complex, but brief, I think is the key. And I, I will just wrap up with, you know what, if a kid can tell you, if a kid can draw it, if a kid can write it, if a kid can take a test on it, all of those are showing what we know. And I think we've got to get past, but this is how they have to do it on the state test. I always say that's one day of 180. The other 179, if I become a better reader, I have more confidence in myself as a reader. And if I am a student with dyslexia, do make sure there's two things here. One, that I know about my dyslexia and what I do need. And then take those mini lessons. And remember, technology has given us a great gift. Record them. Right. And instead of doing 50 mini lessons, here's the mini lesson on how to use the text to speech, the speech to text. It shouldn't just be access for kids with disabilities, it should be access for all. And I think that's even our gifted learners who are taking AP classes need the ability to have multiple modalities to learn. So we hopefully, Lisa, that gave you some uh, ideas for your problem of practice. Again, we want to remind you to, uh, you can give us a call and leave us a voice message so we can play it on our podcast at 407-900-9305. That's 407-900-9305. Or post us a question on Twitter or on Facebook. And we look forward to hearing your problems of practice as we Solve them? Yeah, right. (laughs) As we help you with spring renewal and trying to help you renew some ideas that you probably already knew.